0: This is the BadgerBlitz.com podcast, powered by Overtime Media. I am Benjamin Wargle, the Wisconsin football and basketball beat writer for BadgerBlitz.com. Welcome into this Friday edition of the podcast, the finale of the Big Ten regular season, where Wisconsin tomorrow will play for a Big Ten championship, just like we all predicted at Indiana with an 11 a.m. tip. Wisconsin, like I said, with a victory, gets at least a share and could win the outright Big Ten Championship this weekend. Who would have thunk that just a couple weeks ago? Our guest today will be with former Wisconsin Badger sharpshooter Ben Bruss, current ESPN radio host here in the Madison area. He's going to talk about this run that Wisconsin's on. We'll break down Wisconsin-Indiana a little bit, give our all-conference selections, and talk a little bit about head coach Greg Gard, who won his 100th career game on Wednesday night at the Cole Center Making him the second fastest Wisconsin coach to get to 100 wins, only trailing his mentor, Bo Ryan, who did it in just 19 games quicker. Pretty impressive what Wisconsin and Guard have done this season. But let's recap the week here a little bit. Uh, Wisconsin got good news on Tuesday when Maryland went into Rutgers and lost big time to the Scarlet Knights, who are fighting for their NCAA tournament seed. That left the door open for Wisconsin, and the Badgers against one of the worst teams, if not the worst team in the Big Ten, took care of business, albeit in ugly fashion. 63 48 at the Kohl Center over the Wildcats. Nate Reivers, nine points. Aline Ford had nine points. Pritzel on senior night had nine. Davison had nine. Trice had eight. Not real pretty shooting percentages. All those players, three for 11, four for nine, three for nine, three for nine, three for, nine, three for seven. Uh, Looks like only Trevor Anderson shot over 50% from the field unless you include Mike Ballard's uh, three-step Euro layup to end the game on his senior night. Wisconsin just 39% from the field, 32% from three-point range. Wisconsin has struggled a little bit from three-point shooting. We'll actually address that here with Ben Bruss a little bit about Wisconsin's struggles from the perimeter, and if the Badgers can beat top-end teams without the three-point shot. We'll talk about that, like I said, in just a couple minutes. But defensively is where Wisconsin really shined in this game. The Badgers held Northwestern just 31.5% from the field, 25.9 percent in the second half the wildcats did not make a three-pointer in the second half they went just three for 15 from beyond the perimeter Uh, the badgers outscoring their teams by 9.4 points during the seven game winning streak and you know it's kind of is an interesting debate here about wisconsin it's it's a good debate because Wisconsin has been known for years and years and years as a defense first team. But it feels like this Wisconsin team on this winning streak has been offense first. The Badgers are averaging over 73 points per game during this winning streak. Only Michigan State has been scoring more on average since February 9th. And the Badgers have balance. It's not like there's one person that's just on this innate hot streak for the University of Wisconsin. You have Nate Reavers lead the team in scoring. Uh, Brevin Pritzel, has led the team in scoring. Brad Davison with the 30 against Nebraska. In this seven-game winning streak, six different players had have led, have led the team in scoring. And Demetri Trice, over the last 10 games, 58 assists to just 17 turnovers, a 3.1, 3.41 assist-to-turnover ratio. And he's at court, recorded at least four assists in each of the last 10 games. I mean, Wisconsin is showing that they just, players are just showing that they don't need to put the ball in the hoop to make an impact. And we've seen now defensively what Wisconsin has done. You know, Minnesota late in that game, Wisconsin did not play that well defensively, but they made some critical stops late. And the the good news here too is unlike last year when Wisconsin was a bad free throw shooting team, this team is really good from the free throw line. Now Wisconsin didn't get there a ton on Wednesday night, just 9 of 12, but the Badgers have shown that when they are committed to attacking the low post, good things usually will happen for them. Let's bring you some post-game audio from Wednesday night. Uh, Brevin Pritzel, Brad Davidson, and Dimitri Trice talked to the media. Brevin Pritzel on his senior night, like I said, nine points, six rebounds. Had a really special moment, about a minute left in the game, and you'll hear uh, Brevin talk about Michael Ballard. Ballard's going to be a redshirt junior this year, eligibility-wise, but he is going to graduate. He's going to go in pro something other than sports. And with about a minute left, and Wisconsin's up handily, Brevin Pritzel points to Greg Gard uh, on the bench, and I believe he said, you know, pointed to Ballard. And sure enough, Ballard came into the game with about a minute left, replaced Brevin Pritzel, his good friend. And then Mike Ballard, on the final offensive possession of the game, was passed the ball, was looking for an open look, didn't like it, passed the ball back to Aleem Ford, who quickly passed the ball back to him, and then Michael Ballard drove the lane, and he may have taken one too many steps, three steps with the refs, smartly let it go, and made a left-handed layup off the glass, and it probably was the lowest the Kohl Center was all night. Let's hear from the players who are now in position, with a win tomorrow, to win a share of the 2020 Big Ten regular season championship. Uh, Brevin, you didn't have many baskets tonight, but you had three big threes. Uh, what was it kind of been like for you out there your last time? just to know
1: that your threes kind of uh, swung momentum in the first and second half. You know, I was just having a good time doing the same thing I've been doing. You know, the last few games, just going out, being aggressive. You know, playing hard, and you know, shots having to fall in that beginning started off well. You know, my two pointers were off today, so that was unfortunate. But you know, take what you get, I guess. Yeah. Sure. Dimitri, quick question. You jumped on them early, 14 to 3, and then 27 11. But then your offense probably wasn't nearly as efficient as you would like. So probably not as impressive a victory as you would have wanted. But tied for first
2: place. What's the overall feeling now after mm-hmm. the game? Um, I mean, we're not done yet. We got one more to one more to go, and um, it's going to be a tough game um, at Indiana on Saturday. So. Uh, we're tied for first is a great feeling, but we got to get back to the drawing board. There's still a lot of things that we can clean up, um, and Indiana's going to play hard, especially on their home court, and then coming off a win tonight, uh, they're going to be a little juiced up and uh, ready to knock us off, so we got to come with our A game. All right, you
3: haven't had many of these games during the streak where you've had to kind of you know, grind out with defense. Um, was, was that area of the court better tonight than, than it has been recently? Would you say? Definitely. I think there was a... One stretch where um, they got a lot of, a lot of good looks inside there early in the first set that kind of got them confidence, it got them rolling. Um, but for the most part, you know we really locked down on that end. And you know what? That's you know, that's a, over our winning streak. We shot the ball really well. Um, and so sometimes it's good to you know win in other ways. We love to always hit our shots. Um, but when it comes down to it, uh, you play both ends of the floor, and you can win games on both ends of the floor. Um, so just continue to fine tune things, and like me said, <clears throat> got a lot more work to do. Sure.
1: Revin, you know, Dimitri said kind of go back and, and go back to the drawing board and look what you can fix. What, what do you think needs to be tweaked a little bit between now and the last regular season game when there'll be a lot on the line center? You know, I think a lot of it comes down to ball movement. I'm looking. We got eight assists on our 23 field goals, you know, so Meech, for the most part, has been doing a really good job, you know. Getting, getting the ball out, getting us in good spots. You know, today we got a little stagnant. We didn't really help him in some situations. And I think that's the biggest thing is, you know, we got to keep moving on offense, you know, giving opportunities, you know, for get assists, ball popping, you know, and eventually it'll make everything else easier if that ball's moved around. defense has got to shift more, so. Zach, uh,
3: Brad, you guys have been through, everything you've been through this year. To be in this position now, one way away from a Big Ten title, what does that mean? Oh, man. <clears throat> Um, it's a blessing um, for so many reasons, um, you know, going back to the summer, going through the season, um, just how our team stick together and really come together. And now we have an opportunity, um, you know, to play for the Big Ten regular season title. And, you know, that's that's why you come to school at Wisconsin. That's why we all wanted to put the W on our chest, to have these sort of opportunities. Um, and you know, what it just, what we've been through just makes you appreciate the moment and appreciate the opportunity, um, appreciate the relationships with your teammates and your coaching staff, um, and, man, it's something that we're really looking forward to and something we don't take for granted. And I think that's kind of the biggest thing that we've learned over this year, don't take anything for granted, um, especially a moment and an opportunity like this. Um, because, like I said, this is, this is why you come to Wisconsin, to compete for championships um, in the Big Ten and the national tournament. Um, we put ourselves in a position to do that, uh, and now we just go out there and take it. Jeff,
1: yeah. Demetri, when you guys were 6-6 six and six in the league, I don't know if you looked at the standing and realized where you were and what you had to do to kind of get back in this. When did you look up at the standings or, or feel we have a legitimate
2: mathematical shot to catch someone? And when did you realize that it was a legitimate chance and not just a, a dream? Um, obviously, after we started winning games. <laughs> um, <laughs> honestly, I don't know back when we were 6-6 six and six if any of us had this kind of in mind um, where other teams were um, <clears throat> in the standings. But um, we, we just stuck together. Um, and that, and that's when we started to take off. We um, took a couple bumps here, even in this uh, little stretch that we've had. But uh, we, the biggest thing is that we stuck together, and that's how we've done this uh, streak going really. And there's still a lot more to, a lot more to go, a lot more basketball to be played this year. So um, we're excited. Um, we still got a lot of work, but uh, we're gonna we're gonna get it done.
1: For for Prizel, <coughs> um, your little video about Ballard replacing you and all that stuff. What did it mean to you guys to see him score in the last mm. minute? It was great. Uh, he was a little gun shy. You know, uh, he talks a lot about his ability to come off pin downs like Reggie Miller and knock down threes. And you know, he came out and he got a little hesitant out there and he got a little nervous, I think. So he let his nerves get the best of him. But uh, you know, he was able to get a bucket, which we all really happy about. He might have traveled to get there, but it doesn't matter. All that matters, he got his name in that scorebook, and uh, I'm proud of him. He battles every day on scout team. A lot of times, he's the guy I'm guarding in scout, so I get the best get to go at him every day. And you know. He's been a big part of, you know, our, our success, our team, our, like, cohesiveness. You know, he's a great guy for that. And, you know, it was great to get him in the game, you know, let him have his moment. You hey. want me to say more?
2: No, no, no. <laughs> he, said, he said he traveled.
1: Oh, yeah, he, oh, God, yeah. Uh, it was, was a good,
2: good, great no call.
3: Great no yeah. call.
1: <laughs> hey, I oh, mean, man. a couple years ago when Jordan Smith was here against Michigan, he checked in, he got a rebound, and they call it the most phantom foul I've ever seen. So, you know, refs understanding. you know, it was great that they kind of let that, uh, Blatant travel goal.
0: <laughs> <laughs> As you can tell from Brevin Pritzel's answers at the end, lots of smiles, lots of laughter. Uh, this team is on a roll. Eight straight home uh, victories for Wisconsin. 15 1 at the Col Center. They finish out. That's the best mark for the Badgers since the 2014 uh, 15 regular season. The Badgers have reached 20 wins for the 16th time in the last 18 seasons. 13 Big Ten wins. That's the fourth highest single season total in school history, and they can add to it tomorrow. But the more important thing, Wisconsin is tied with Maryland and Michigan State atop the Big Ten standings with one game to go. Wisconsin at Indiana, as I've said a a bazillion times, and we'll talk to Ben Brust about that too. Michigan State at home, Maryland at home uh, on Sunday. So Wisconsin... Even if they lose, we'll still have a chance to win a share of the regular season championship, but you certainly don't want to put it in the hands of others. Wisconsin needed that earlier, got a huge bonus by it. They don't want to attempt to twice. Now, Wisconsin, for a profile standpoint, they sit in 26 in the net rankings, and the Badgers are probably looking at now a 6 seed or maybe a 5 seed. Wisconsin, you break down their profile this way, they're 8-8 eight and eight in Quadrant 1 games. Four and one in quadrant two games, one and one in quadrant three games. That one loss beat to New Mexico on the neutral site at the Barclays Center in November when they were a much much different team. And the all important seven and zero in quadrant four games. How will the committee look at Wisconsin? The Badgers twenty and ten, but they're fifteen and five without Micah Potter and officially eight and one. Well, really eight and two, I should say without Kobe King. So this is really three different teams that the committee has to look at and evaluate how good the Badgers are. From a bracket projection standpoint, looking at the Matrixes, not necessarily the bracketologists, Wisconsin is a five seed in bracket Matrix. And you look at Ken Palm, they're the 25th best team in the country. Adjusted offense at 38th in the country and adjusted defense at 24th. A very balanced team that has been hurting teams in a number of different ways. So can Wisconsin climb up to the number five spot? Well, they don't have any more bad loss potentials on their profile after game past Northwestern. You can win at Indiana tomorrow, and that's going to be another quality win for Wisconsin, a quadrant, uh, I think that's be another quadrant one game for the Badgers. And then you're going to the neutral site, where Wisconsin has not fared well this year. Wisconsin has yet to win a neutral site game. You lost to St. Mary's in overtime to begin the year, then you lost those two games Uh, In New York, Wisconsin, with a solid performance in Indianapolis, one win, two wins maybe, probably could lock up a fifth seed for the second straight year in the NCAA tournament. And who would have thought that just a couple months ago? Our guest this week is one of the more prolific three-point shooters in school history for the University of Wisconsin. He is now a member of the media, although he likes to use that term loosely. You can listen to him on Scalzo and Brust every Monday through Friday, 3 to 5 Central Time on 100.5 ESPN, ESPN app 2. I welcome in Ben Brust. And Ben, as always, it is good to talk to you. And, you know, you look at this team, this Wisconsin team right now, seven wins in a row, first place in the Big Ten at 13-6. and six. I think of all the media people, you were the only one that predicted Wisconsin would win a Big Ten championship this year. So congratulations to you. How does it feel to be pretty right at this point in time?
4: You know, it's funny you mentioned that. I was I was thinking to myself yesterday, I was like, I did everything but really go all out and give that bold prediction. I mean, I I had tweeted about as Kobe King transferred and just thinking about how much adversity guard has faced as a head coach, even dating back to when he took over when Bo Ryan stepped down in the middle of the season. Like, he's always responded to adversity. Now, I expected them to respond to adversity, but I'm not going to sit here and act like I predicted, Uh, you know, the streak that they're on right now and being – tied for first place in the Big Ten I mean nobody predicts that I mean like nobody even if you were Greg Gard you probably did not predict this
0: simple question Ben how did we get here how did we get to them being a win away Saturday from getting a share of this thing What, what change was it more so that they just got hot at the right time, and that other Big Ten teams finally stubbed their toe, like Wisconsin did earlier in the year? Or what? How do you make of us seeing Wisconsin be in this position?
4: I think it's a combination of a lot of things, and first and foremost, when you think about this Wisconsin program, on the basketball side of things, when you're on the floor, the most successful teams have been teams that have five guys on the floor, that can all dribble, pass, and shoot because it creates spacing and it creates opportunities to get shooters in rhythm. Um, and you know, thinking back to last year, having Ethan Happ, you know, they didn't they didn't shoot the ball particularly well, and having Khalil Iverson on the floor at the same time. So it, it, Kobe King was a really really talented player, but at times it took a lot of isolation, a lot of stopping the ball, getting him in positions to be able to make plays. Now that's good. That you're seeing now how that has. Good and bad effect. Um, five guys on the floor who can shoot. Um, and then from the off the floor perspective, I, I think that, again, it, it's, it's a unique program. It really is. It, you have to buy into what Coach Guard has kind of taken from Coach Ryan and, and sort of the system that is developed. And if you're not all in and if you don't Really buy into what Coach Guard is preaching every single day, and you think he's not looking out for you, like this, that, and the other thing. If you're not 100% bought in. The team is never going to be the team it could be with five guys out there that believe in each other off the floor and the message from the program off the floor. So it's a combination of a lot of things, um, and so the off the floor, beyond the, the floor, I think this team finally found some direction and Micah Potter has stepped up. He's been a great addition to this team. Watching yesterday, Nate Reavers played well the first three minutes, and then he had to come out, and then Potter came in and brought in some energy. I remember early on in the season, Reavers looked gasped playing 30-plus minutes a game. Um, The belief, too, you know, like a little bit of luck, the scheduling aspect. Throughout this little streak here, they played on the road at Nebraska and at Michigan. Now that Michigan win I think was really impressive but overall they had a ton of home games and this team has shown they're good at home so I'd say all those things that I sort of mentioned got us to where we are today.
0: Yeah, Wisconsin finishes the year fifteen and one at home. The only loss being a game they probably should have won—the uh, one point loss to Illinois way back in in January—and and, you know been over this stretch of seven wins, six different players have led them in scoring, which stands out to me. Um, that you mentioned that you need five guys on the floor that are cohesive, that can move, that are in a flow, and it seems like there's not that one guy you can rely on or are expecting. To be that lean score, I think for the last two years, people looked, and by people I mean other guys on the team, to get the ball to Hap and get the heck out of the way and let him work. And that didn't always signal a really successful offense. Now you have all different pieces moving, and Wisconsin, since Kobe King officially announced he's leaving, they're 8-1, and one, and it feels like guys are playing roles are defined a little bit better, and guys aren't worried about that quick hook because they know they're going to play, and they maybe can play a little bit looser. So I ask you, is is that just me from my media vantage point eye seeing that, or do you as a former player that knows kind of this system, do you see guys playing a little bit looser and maybe that roles have been a little bit more defined now over the course of this last month? Well, I think a
4: couple things. I think they're confident. Number one, you're not seeing them shoot the ball and sort of look like they're hoping it goes in. They're shooting it with confidence, and that it's like that is a really big deal um, for for a lot of these players because they've struggled with the ups and downs and in the shooting, and they've been streaky. Uh, but I think to your point, yesterday as I was watching the game, I thought to earlier in the year when it was. Get, a lean forward out of there as quick as possible when right. he's not doing some things to help the team and get Tyler Wall in there. And then yesterday, was it was kind of good to see, and this is not a knock on Tyler, Tyler Wall. Tyler Wall was making some mistakes. Now, earlier in the season, people would just be like, oh, ride him out there. He's playing hard. He's playing you know, with energy. Um, leave him out there. But it's great to see now that you're able to take Tyler Wall out when he makes a mistake and stick a lean forward back in there. Because, like you said, you have guys that have stepped up and defined those roles, so I was like, as little as that is, like that was encouraging for me to see the belief that Coach Guard has in all of the guys that he's got in his rotation, where it's like who's ever rocking and rolling during that game, you can sort of ride with, and you, you, it doesn't have to be the same guy every day, and it hasn't been the same guy every day. Um, and they're going to need that moving forward, because you know, there was a little bit of a of a drier spell at one point during the Northwestern game, and you know, who's going to be able to get you out of that? You know, who can you throw in there that's played well throughout the game that can get you out of that slump or hit a big shot for you? And uh, and and like we've, like we've sort of talked about already, it, it's a combination of, of the spacing and the five guys on the floor. Um, if you get going in the post with Nate Reavers, that opens things up. When Nate Reavers goes out, you bring Potter in, and he's more of an outside threat than Reavers has been recently so there's a good dynamic there's a good deal of this team um, but they, that's the one thing that worries me is avoiding those those long droughts that I think got them in trouble earlier in the season.
0: Yeah, we we kind of seen that here with the win over Minnesota and the win over Northwestern, where the three point shot hasn't fallen for them consistently. I mean, they went on that stretch of double digit three pointers in I think five straight games for the first time in school history. Now you you've kind of seen them have to rely on other forms of offense when their bread and butter hasn't fallen and they've kind of been ugly games. The game against Minnesota on Sunday, you know, they had to make some key plays late to pull that one out. And certainly against Northwestern, they started hot and then kind of peered out and it was kind of an ugly offensive game. For when they move forward into Saturday at Indiana, into the Big Ten tournament and beyond, you know are do you have confidence that the confidence that this team can win these games against better opponents better than a Minnesota and a northwestern without that three-point shot if it doesn't fall just because we've seen here the last week that against some of the worst, worser teams in the big ten worse teams in the big ten when that three-point shot doesn't fall the games get kind of ugly and they kind of have to they kind of had to grind these games out
4: you make a, a really good point and it's really like that that age old question of if this team is not making shots, do they revert back to who they were, you know, earlier in the season? Now, what I saw the last couple games against Minnesota Northwestern were, you know, earlier in the year when they were not playing Minnesota Northwestern, when they were missing shots, were they making those hustle plays to, you know, create an open look for Brevin Pritzel in the three uh, in the corner versus Minnesota? Um, as I'm watching the Northwestern game, watching them defend the way they did and sticking to all the defensive principles that Wisconsin basketball teams like to stick to, those are the type of things that they're going to need to do to get over the hump of bad shooting. Um, but I, I'm with you, and that is, that is my worry right now. I'm, I, th- th- we're going to learn a lot about this team on Saturday against Indiana. Indiana's beaten Florida State at home. They beat Iowa, Penn State, and Michigan State at home. Assembly Hall has been awesome to Indiana. The Badgers are playing in one of these games where it's going to feel, this game Saturday is going to feel like it's going to feel in the Big Ten Tournament and the NCAA Tournament. Are you going to be able to use all the experiences that you've had since the St. Mary's game where they were struggling to rebound and make plays down the stretch, Um, where they struggled in the Barclays Center, Uh, where they struggle a little bit early on in Big Ten play to make plays down late in games. Like, Are you going to be able to push through that when you're having a bad shooting game? Because, again, I don't have that answer. We're going to find out. But I am a little bit skeptical because a lot of the success has been at home, um, other than the one game I was super impressed with the way they played in Ann Arbor during the streak.
0: Ben Buss, join us here on the BadgerBlitz.com podcast, and you know, you make a good point about playing on the road, you know, they've won the last two on the road at Nebraska and at Michigan, the last one, like, probably the their best road win of the year, but before that, you know, kind of the slow starts, um, that really hurt them, got the home crowd into it, Purdue game sticks out, the Michigan game sticks out, Iowa game to a degree, especially late, um. But I think Wisconsin's in a better place right now defensively than maybe they were a month ago. Um, If you had to label this team who is shooting on this winning streak 77 three-pointers and have given up just 35, are they an offensive team, Ben? first or are they a defensive team first? Which is kind of crazy that I'm even asking you this question because we know what the identity of Wisconsin basketball has been over the last two decades under bow and under guard. But it feels like this team is trending more to be a team that's going to out-shoot you rather than a team that's going to out-defend you. If you had to pick a, a column to put them in, where would you put them?
4: Of how they're going to beat teams um,
0: Well, is going to have yeah, are they more an offensive team or are they more a defensive team? What do what do you think the identity of this specific team is right now?
4: Ooh, that is a, that is a good. One. I'm still gonna lean offensively with this team um, because, well, like, if you look at their, their their wins that got them going, it got them going offensively. It was Brad mm-hmm. Davison hitting a bunch of shots. It was Dimitri Trice um, catching fire in some games. Um, Aleem Ford knocking down shots. I think, look, this is a team that can shoot their way to a Sweet 16 Elite Eight run or they can shoot their way out of it just by getting cold because they don't know if this team defensively is one where I'm, I'm going to put this team up against you know some quicker guards in the NCAA tournament and I'm going to be like, oh, yeah, they're going to be able to stop that guy. And I think back to uh, the way Illinois beat Wisconsin, I would a guard, that is like many guards that you could face in the NCAA tournament, was just able to go make a play. So I think, you know, offensively is, is where if you're watching the Badger game, and a lot of people do watch mostly for offense, you know, as just like a casual fan, but if this team's making shots, it's, it's, it's a crazy world. You know, there's a lot of stuff going around on Twitter about uh, people laughing at the coaches who say, we made shots. Well, guess what? This is one of those teams where if they're making shots and they're confident, they can make a run, but if they're missing shot, it worries me in the postseason. Um, as, as a streaky college basketball has been, if the other team is streaking at the right time and you're not, maybe the Badgers just, just went streaking a little too early, then you, you get a little worried.
0: Does Wisconsin get a uh, person on the first-team all-conference if they win the Big Ten? Does Wisconsin have a first-team all-conference player, or, or is this going to be a team that's going to be kind of second team, third team, honorable mention, all conference players, you think? Just because there's so many good players in the Big Ten, and it feels like this Wisconsin team is just sort of a collective, really good team that doesn't have any really big standout individual players.
4: Yeah, that's a great question. I don't, I don't think they do get any um, first-team, all-Big Ten players, If even if they win um, the Big Ten conference. like The conference numbers for these, these guys... I think the the guy that leads the team in conference scoring is Reavers at like 12, but that's down from his season average. The next leader is Potter around 11, then Trice and Davidson 9-9 nine, nine, like look, I think you by default maybe give it to to Revers. I can make an argument for Potter cuz he's played, he's shot the ball really well in conference and been a big add to this team. Um Yeah, that's going to be interesting to see, but I definitely, I can say with certainty, I don't think any of them make a first team, even if they win the conference.
0: Do you know who leads Wisconsin in scoring in conference games?
4: It's got to be Nate Reaver
0: still. It's it's Kobe King. Ah, I see what you did there. I see what you did there. It's... Um, isn't it impressive that you lose your best score in conference games? We just and we just kind of agreed that Wisconsin's not going to have a first-team All-Conference player more than likely. Maybe Potter on the second team. Maybe, but and Wisconsin's in this position. Can you make a case for anyone other than guard not to be the Big Ten Coach of the Year?
4: At this point, no. I, I was I was going to war for Mark Turgeon because. Um, if he won the Big Ten conference outright and there was no share, I'd be like, "Look, as deep as this league has been, getting ten teams in the tournament, um, them winning outright in some of the ways that they've won some games, I
2: would say, yeah, you got to give it to him." Agree. But now at this point. At this point, it, it's Coach Guard. If, if this team gets a share, and
4: even if they don't, at this point, I think with what he's been able to do, I mean, look at this. I, I just pulled the conference numbers. Reavers 11.7 points, Potter 10.7, Brad Davidson 9.7, Trice 9.1, Pritzel 8.3, Ford 7.8. I mean, that is just straight consistency mm-hmm. um, and, and balance. And it, it's starting to get weird. It's starting to remind <laughs> me a little bit of Bo's first year um, yeah. when they won the Big Ten tournament and they were picked last. Wow. I, I mean, this is what Coach Guard has been able to do with the adversity before the season to during the season um, to being on the, on the Twitter chopping block, um,
0: it, it, it's crazy. Yeah, you can draw a lot of parallels between Bo's first year and this year with guard because you know not many help not many scholarship players. A lot of players in Bo's first year left the program. They had to do it with a bunch of walk ons, not so much this year, but you know, very choppy waters through non conference play as they kind of define their roles and then they kinda of caught fire and that year the Big Ten was down too. I think they won the conference with maybe five losses somewhere in there as well. Um why do you and you mentioned the Twitter the Twitter chopping block? And I love Twitter because I love exposing old takes that some of these people have. Why do you think people are so? Not, some people are so hard to embrace. Guard and they'll they'll point to well his record hundred wins last night. Well, how many of those wins were with Bo's players? Well, you know, a lot of those players that guard recruited, but that's besides the point because that doesn't fit their narrative. Why, why are so many people, in your opinion, so hard to embrace? guard is it because that he does things different than Bo? is it because he's not Bo? is it something different is it because that he doesn't have the facial expressions Bo has what do you think the opinion why do people have that opinion of guard who obviously fits well with what wisconsin is doing here or what they're trying to do here
4: um that's a great question i think it's as simple as following a legend right? yeah like bo ryan has done something that's unprecedented the top four finishes and it's kind of a made up stat, right? You finish top four, but it showed how consistent and how good his teams were and how competitive teams were every year. He made the tournament every single year. Greg Gard already missed a tournament and early on it was these were Bose players and Bose teams that Greg took, which I think is completely unfair because the way that the team was left was kind of for you know, in a in a firestorm.
0: Um yeah, I mean they, they were they were, they were they were seven and five, and then they dropped to they what nine and nine, and and guard turned it around and got them into the uh, the Sweet Sixteen that year with Bo's players, and who knows? They were
4: one and four in Big Ten. Right. I was at the Northwestern game in Evanston when they went to one and four, and I was like, uh oh, is this the? Is this the end of Wisconsin basketball as we knew it? And then they the, rattled off six or seven straight. Yeah. And, and, and Guard continuously, I saw some stat on Twitter. I don't, I don't know who to cite, but it was like every year that Guard's been the head coach, they've rattled off six, at least six wins in a row in the Big Ten, which is incredible to think about. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, even more impressive this year is 10 teams are probably going to make the tournament. Um, yeah, he's following a legend, and that's what it is. And, um, you know, Bo, which is, it's hard to get people to understand that. But when before Bo made those two final four runs, I guarantee the same narrative about Bo was being talked about that it was, was
0: regarded right yeah. now. That that, that Bo's Bo style, that was the Wisconsin style, wasn't made to win in March. It was made to win in the Big Ten, and then you guys come along, and then you break that narrative, and so they have to change the narrative to something else.
4: Correct, and and, and I always laugh at that right now because um, Tony Bennett at Virginia, they play a slower slower <laughs> pace. Wisconsin. I know, and he gets he gets good recruit, like you know, what I mean, like it, it's just whatever people want to spew out and. What I tell people, and the biggest complaint that I always hear is, well, from a recruiting standpoint, he can't keep the in-state guys. Well, you know what? If if you are going to fault him for not being able to get Patrick Baldwin or Jalen Johnson or even Tyler Hero, like, go root for another team. Because if I was one of them in those situations, I would seriously consider Duke and Kentucky as well. Uh, but I wasn't. Do you know what I mean? So, If you want to go root for a blue bug, root for a blue bug. But if you want to root for Wisconsin and, and have what this program has been able to bring you consistently, um, you, you kind of see which way you're, what you're going to get. And an opportunity every year to maybe make a run.
0: Yeah, I think people are just mad that. That Wisconsin, like you mentioned like the Tyler Hero thing. I mean, there's so many other things that go into it that it's just it's not all on Wisconsin. And it's not like Wisconsin's losing these guys to the dumpster fire in Milwaukee, known as Marquette. I mean, they're losing them to the Dukes and the kentuckys of the world, who Wisconsin will always more likely than not lose out against, unless you know you're like a Sam Decker. The five-star guy from in-state, or a Bronson Koenig, four-star guy from in-state. I mean, sometimes that works, but a lot of times it doesn't, and, you know, recruiting five-stars are hard because they're five-stars for a reason. They're really good, and the really good programs are going to want them. It's just, it's one of those funky things, and I, I think Guard has done, over these last couple years, he's done more with less. I mean, there's been some hiccups in recruiting that haven't been entirely on him, and, you know, you look at where this roster was, Ari shorthand, then you'll lose your best player, an in-state guy. I think people were upset about that. And he just, to his credit, he just puts his head down and he just has just kept on going. Just digging along. Do you remember your senior night? What what stood out about your senior night?
4: Um, What stood out about my senior night was really not a whole lot to do with on the floor. I didn't play the greatest game of my career, but all that mattered was we won. And we were building something, you know, that season after we went five of six that we lost in Big Ten play and then rattled off eight straight. But ultimately, like, we got to win. I was surrounded by my family, and um I had a good – I loved my teammates and my team, and I knew we were building to do something um in the postseason. And ultimately we did. So to me it was just like it, – it, it didn't feel like the end. Like, it, it felt like – um as cliché as it sounds, there was more, more to do. Like with the group that we had, we started sixteen and zero. You know, what I mean, like you don't, you don't just win sixteen games in a row in Division One if you don't have enough players on the roster to do something special. And ultimately, that run that we made got them confidence, I believe, to you know know that they could go out and win a national championship the next year. And obviously, they fell short, but it was a historic season, and you can tell what was in the locker room that year was going to take that next step with as much as they had coming back. So I guess my senior night was more about enjoying the moment and 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 appreciating the win, and but also knowing like I didn't want senior night to be what I remembered. What I remember as a senior was playing in Dallas in a Final Four for Bo's first Final
0: Four. A couple more minutes here with Ben Brust on the BadgerBlitz.com podcast. I, I did want to ask you about that. That, that season where you guys went through that funk. Uh, you went 16 0. Uh, your first loss was at Indiana. And you know your programs arrived when the Indiana students are storming the court after being Wisconsin. You know your programs yeah, are. Right. You know your programs yeah,
4: stormed the court
0: that year, too. We've never won. storming the court on us. I mm-hmm. like, I made it. <laughs> well, well, the year before, you guys went through adversity, too. You struggled offensively. And, you know, in the year you're talking about, you, you had a stretch where you really struggled defensively for a time. I think you had three straight games you lost where you guys gave up 75 plus. And then you had a couple of games offensively where you couldn't break 60. And then you figured it out and then you went on that run the year before you you guys didn't figure it out and you lost in the first round of the NCAA tournament what is the difference in breaking out of a funk between those two years is it just you just need something good to go your way is it something uh, you know is it lady luck is it more internal do you have to do something differently or do you just have to just keep plugging along and hope that things start going your way
4: um, the difference between losing in the first round and the next year, I mean, it's a, they were two completely different teams. Correct. I mean, the offensive talent, um, the next year, the, the my senior year's team in 2014, um, I think was the difference in getting to a two seed, right? Like being able to play American in the first round versus Ole Miss, which is a SEC school who had won the SEC tournament, um, you know, to to play a Power 5 school, um, that was tough. Uh, and the biggest difference, so I'm, just trying, I'm just trying to, like, think in my head if there's anything that stood out, because that team that lost to Ole Miss in the first round, we just beat Michigan, who played in the national championship that year, Indiana, who was the number one team in the country, and barely lost to Ohio State in the Big Ten tournament championship before losing to Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. So it's so hard, you know what I mean? Like, in my head that year, I was like, "We're poised to make a run. We just, we just beat Michigan, like who had five pros on that team. Indiana, who had three pros and was number one in the country all year. Like, we knew we were capable of beating anyone, but because of the offensive output that could just go cold at times, that's what you get. So I think that's what worried me last year about the team um, from a offensive standpoint you saw it against Oregon and I still have a little bit of trepidation for this team this year um, because of the inconsistencies away from home Um, but they have a chance to show if they've grown again on Saturday against Indiana.
0: How nervous are you for Saturday as a former player and a fan of Wisconsin basketball For them going down there. I mean, what's what's kind of your your confidence level in them being able to finish this thing off? Because you know Indiana, like I said earlier, they're they're playing for a lot. I mean, they're trying to get into the tournament. They're on their senior night. They need to beat Wisconsin, a quad one opponent, and then probably win a game or two in Indy. Um, They're if they lose, they're guaranteed to play on Wednesday and have to win five games in five days. I mean, there's a lot for Indiana riding on this too. What what's kind of your your thought process going into Saturday?
4: You know, I don't want to sound cynical, um, but, like, I'd be, I would be – I look at numbers, I look at Vegas lines, and I, I, I practice stuff all year. The Badgers are going into Indiana, as I mentioned earlier in this podcast. Indiana's beat Michigan State, Iowa, Penn State, and Florida State Four, probably seven seeds or lower in the NCAA tournament um, at all. And they're playing for their lives. Assembly Hall is tough. I would be shocked if the Badgers won this game. And, and I hate to sound cynical. I, I just... I need, to, I need to see them actually prove me wrong like in a situation like this where this team in a big moment, in a big game, goes into Assembly Hall and just takes the life out of the building and gives themselves a share of the Big Ten title. Um, now, I hope I'm wrong. I, I really do. Because if this team somehow wins a share of the Big Ten title... And you see it up in the uh, around the ring in the call center every time you go back. Everyone will always be able to look at 2020 and know that this what this season was and everything that happened in the season. It was it's not just a ho hum year where they took care of business. There's been so many ups and downs. Uh, so it's a huge game. Uh, I, I'm just I'm anxious to see what team shows up and if they're able to get it done because I personally, um, if I was a betting man, I would bet.
3: I'm
0: Indiana. Yeah, I'm kind of right there with you. And yeah, you know, I get I got uh, an email from one of my uh, guys I went to school with, who's a big Wisconsin guy. He's like, I feel like I've been here before. That Wisconsin's just building me up, building me up, building me up for a great moment, and then something happens, and then it just gets yanked out from underneath you. You know, there's been the Final Fours, there's been Rose Bowls. It feels like this is almost too good to be true, and something's going to happen. But you're right. I think the first. 10 minutes of, of Saturday's game will be critical for them just to either have a, a, a lead or just be kind of right there and not let that building uh, kind of consume them like it has for other Wisconsin teams and like it has on, for this Wisconsin team on the road this year at times.
4: I will be in Phoenix with Josh Gosser and Frank Kaminsky watching the game, so... Uh will be
0: anxiously awaiting. I'm going to get you out here on a couple rapid-fire questions. Um, what, what was the best victory you were a part of? It, it, was it the game against Arizona in, in California, or was there another one that meant more to you? To
2: me,
4: oof, it's a tie between that Arizona game, um, but also from more of a personal level, and from I think it changed the whole entirety um, of the direction and the momentum of the program at home, at the Brett and not at home, at the Bradley Center in the second round against Oregon, down 13 at halftime, um, sitting in the locker room at halftime, just not even listening to coach what Coach Ryan is saying, thinking that my career is over as a Badger, and going on uh, an c- incredible run out of the gate. And I broke the all-time three-point record with a three that went up uh, two, and we ultimately kept the lead against Oregon to win that game. So just to hear the Bradley Center, it was the loudest arena I've ever been a part of to get to the Sweet 16 and then obviously to to move that forward. But if we lose that game, you know, the goal is probably next year to be a Final Four team, not to win the whole thing. Um, So your expectations change
0: because of that. Was that record-breaker three-pointer against Oregon your best shot that you've ever hit or are we going back to the half-quarter against Michigan at the Kohl Center as your best shot? Or is there, uh, or is there another one? What, what's what's your most memorable shot for you? Not for other people but for you. What's the one that you're going be to be remembering for the rest of your life? It's,
4: it would probably be that Oregon three. Um, to me, it, it meant so much, and for that moment to hit the three to go up after coming back and thinking my career was over and breaking the record that held for 30 years, um, that meant a lot. I mean, the Michigan shot was awesome, and I, I swear to goodness, I let it go, and I was like, that's that's going in. Like I knew it was going in, but with that Michigan game is, I, I love the three in overtime that won it a little bit more, actually, than mm-hmm. the half-quarter, because like if, if we lose that game, you know, the half quarter's cool, but it doesn't mean as much. Or we don't get to celebrate, you know what I mean? It would have just been another dampered Badger moment that, you know, we right wins. not
0: win. Mm-hmm. The, the toughest place to play in the Big Ten was where for you?
4: Toughest place to play in the Big Ten for me personally or for our team?
0: Uh, either. What um, What was the toughest place that you had to go to and play?
4: Well, I, I don't think the only place they didn't win in my career was Michigan State
0: um you're not you're not alone
4: yeah so by default it's probably the breslin center um but other than that i think i had decent success at least one time in my career everywhere else um yeah it definitely is the breslin
0: what was the worst place to play what place did you hate to go play either because of locker room because of shooting lines because of lack of interest what was the worst place you went to
4: well, I I hated traveling to Penn State. That was by far the worst trip. But again, I played decent there, so it's one of those where I was like, I, I guess I don't hate it that much. <laughs> um, I always sucked at Michigan. I don't know why. I really liked that gym and it had a good
0: feel, but I always sucked at Michigan. So I guess I got to go with Breslin. Who was the best player you ever I'm played crazy. with? <laughs> Christen. Yeah. What, what, what was the what was the best place you, you ever? Who was the best player you ever played with at Wisconsin?
4: Best player ever ever played with at Wisconsin. I mean, oof. No, no offense to Frank here, but Jordan Taylor, his junior year going into like our summer workouts, he was incredible. Um, if he doesn't hurt his ankle his senior year, I don't, I don't know um, what he's able. Like he, he would have been a pro for sure, like an NBA pro. Um, Jordan Taylor was ridiculous. I don't even know how to explain it. he you you would just hope to be on a team in open gym because you know you were going to win every single game. I'll
0: get you here on this one. Um, your your funniest or your most memorable Bo Ryan or Greg Gard story is what?
4: Uh Bo Ryan when he told me. I don't know if this is funny or not, but I said I you know I didn't play a lot my freshman year, but when Bo um, we sc- scheduled a, um, a a scrimmage
0: with DePaul. Um, one of those pre-scrimmages, um, so to speak, mm-hmm.
4: before the season. I didn't play as a freshman. I was first off the bench um, my sophomore year in the scrimmage against DePaul. I started running away as I thought we had the rebound. It got tipped to my guy and it got laid up. And. Um, Bo called timeout, ran at me and said, you stupid mother sleeper, <laughs> if you do that again, you'll never play here. And then I sat the whole half and I thought my career was over at <laughs>
0: Wisconsin. Um,
4: I got put in the second half, I dove on every loose ball, I was hitting shots, and he never had to yell at me again.
0: <laughs> the beauty the beauty of a closed door scrimmage, the things that never get out that you don't want to get out, right? Uh,
4: yeah, but I'm more than happy to say that because Bo and I have talked about that story and He never really had to say
0: anything ever again to me. You can listen to him every Monday through Friday in Madison, 3 to 5 on 100.5 ESPN. Scalzo and Brust. Or you can listen to him on the ESPN app. He is Ben Brust. Ben, thanks for your time. Always appreciate it. Enjoy Phoenix with the boys. And uh, hopefully your Vegas prediction on Wisconsin's wrong for this weekend. Have a good one. Thanks, Thanks, Ben. That is our show for this week. You can follow Ben Brust on Twitter at Ben Brust. You can follow me on Twitter at TheBadgerNation. And you can follow BadgerBlitz.com at Badger underscore Blitz. Plenty of big things up on the site right now. Spring football previews are up for every position. Wisconsin starts spring practices next week. They are not open to the media until the end of March. So this will have to be uh, the, the stories that will wet your whistle. Those are available for Badger Blitz subscribers. Some specials are on the site now to join Badger Blitz to get some free fan gear. Takeaways from Northwestern. Plenty of coverage from John McNamara, who's doing a great job with Wisconsin Junior Day. Should mention, too, that Wisconsin has hired former Packer wide receiver coach Alvis Witted to replace Ted Gilmore. He will be a part of the team. Uh, Looks like a pretty good hire. Witted was at uh, Colorado State for a number of years. Developed three players into All-Americans with the Rams. So, Wisconsin football coming together. Getting ready for 15 spring practices. Nine will be open to the media. Full coverage of those will be on badgerputs.com and, of course, on this podcast. And plenty of stuff on Junior Day, recruiting wise, and big coverage this weekend with Wisconsin basketball trying to win a share of the Big Ten title, and then next week at the Big Ten tournament in Indianapolis, we'll have full coverage from that as well. Enjoy the weekend, everybody. Thank you once again for listening. We're getting a lot of downloads over the last several weeks, but I think we're pretty much closing on 5,000 downloads. Thank you for letting me talk to you about Wisconsin hoops and football each and every week. Enjoy your Friday, everybody. Enjoy your weekend. We'll talk to you next week.